Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. Back on the air. It's our second hour of the show. We go from 1 to 2 Eastern in this hour of the program. A lot of fantasy baseball discussion and, of course, some Super Bowl prop bets. Fantasy Sports Today, Hour 2, starts now. Fantasy Sports Today. Toward the end zone. It is Seattle's going to the Super Bowl. Fires up the middle. Pass is caught by Owens. Owens made the catch. Oh, Pass is caught. Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! Unbelievable! Toss to White. He's in! Patriots win the Super Bowl! Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Bish, along with Joe Pizzapia, here with you on the show. We covered a lot of fantasy baseball in the first hour of the program. If you guys want to go back and listen, we touched on the injury to Eugenio Suarez, the signings of Mitch Moreland and Greg Holland. There was one other note yesterday, Joe, that I want to bring to you, which was Luis Urias of the Milwaukee Brewers, who was involved in that trade with the Padres in the offseason. It looks like he's going to be out for an extended period of time. Uh, which is a little bit of a shame because there was a chance that he certainly could get more playing time than he was getting with San Diego. So that's one uh, other note in uh, in fantasy, a hammock bone, which is always uh, – usually the guys respond very well from that. It just takes some extra time. But he got hurt playing in, the, uh, in Mexico. He's going to be out six to eight weeks. So his availability – uh, for opening days in question, Orlando Arcia, who's a very boring player, looks like he'll get a chance. <laughs> well, he was a guy once upon a time, too, that the Brewers really thought was going to be their shortstop of the future. Yeah. And he's just never hit consistently. And and going back to that Hame bone, I mean, going through all the Pablo Sandoval woes and a couple other guys that have had one or two of these things over the years. They'll say six to eight weeks, but it's going to take another month after that for him to hit like himself. So in terms of that. Yeah, I think you're looking at the uh, Arcia and you're looking at, uh, you know, there's no nobody's in trouble in the infield now. <laughs> I think, no, I think no. you can certainly say that now. Yeah. Uh, in NL only leagues, we had one other very small move, a player that would go, uh, you know, again, having the experience of doing these auctions. Whenever something happens in any league, I know up, oh, I usually say, well, there's a dollar, you know, there's a dollar player that would have gone for nothing. That was a dollar. Uh, Ken Rosenthal reported yesterday, Yolmer Sanchez, who won the gold glove, by the way, last year for the Chicago White Sox, but very little bat signed with the San Francisco Giants, which was a surprise yesterday. And for all the things that we've been negative on, on the Giants, here could be another one because what are they doing here? Like Dubon was the guy I thought that the one like upswing guy in fantasy and the bucket of cold water is now on that. And I wonder, Joe, like maybe, maybe the Giants are thinking of starting Dubon in the minors and holding back some more service time and having Sanchez play second base, uh, a bizarre signing for a team not really headed anywhere. So, um, you know, I, I think if anything, this just hurts the value of Dubon. Well, I think, can't you view it as an insurance policy, though? I don't you know, know. Not every kid comes to certain training and, and plays very well. You know, maybe there's some other issues with the kid. You don't know. Maybe they feel like at least, hey, if we bring in this guy on the cheap, we have some options here. Maybe we do delay him a little bit more, get him some more service time in the Meyer leagues, you know, and, and get a little bit more of a, a confidence boost for him before we throw him out there every day. I understand what you're saying. It's it's certainly one of those 
eyebrow raising things on a very smaller level, but still like, huh, what's what's happening there? I think it's more of an insurance policy. I don't personally. think so at all. You think he's going to be the starter? You think he's the opening Absolutely. day guy? Absolutely. Wow. Yep, I do. Yolmer Sanchez. And, I, and the reason why, too, is Farhan Zaidi is very sharp. And the way that, that I look at it, and, and going through this with the Marlins, it's like very similar, is that the Giants, they sign Sanchez. Okay, it's a minor league deal. Uh, at the end of spring, he makes a 25-man. They bump off somebody off the 40-man, and he's the opening day starter. They send Dubon d- down to the minors, and they know, Joe, that in July, no matter what the scenario is, Yolmer Sanchez, if this guy just plays halfway decent, is going to get traded to another team, be a backup for somebody else. They get themselves some international free agent money. They get themselves an extra player. Sanchez gets to play good defense for somebody else, and you know it's going to happen to a contender, and they turn a non-roster invitee into a player or some IFA money or something else, and then they play Dubon from July on for the rest of the season. <laughs> it's, it's a crazy way to look at it, but the Giants are just basically looking at assets, I think, to acquire and flip. I mean, that's, and I think they'll do the same thing with Gossman if they can. I think that's well, all they got. I mean, they, they love to do the same thing with Gossman. I don't think it's going to happen. So well, Marge, look, they gave him so much money, Gossman. I know, but yeah, well, that's their problem. But Samarge is the Samarge is the most valuable piece they have. Too much Let's money. Too much money. Well, on Samarja? Yeah. I know, but he could actually help somebody. You yeah, know, a lot, a lot of guys could help somebody. It's the money. Oh, I don't know if Kevin Gossman can help anybody. I don't think Drew Smiley's helping. I'm not anybody. a I'm not a huge I'm not a fan at all of Kevin Gossman. He will. I know you're not. That's why I'm kind of surprised for sure. But there's a big difference between <laughs> Gossman on a one year deal where you'd have to pay him five million as opposed to um, Samarja, who take a guess what Samarja is getting paid this year. Just one guess. Three million, four million. Take a guess. Twelve. Keep going. Fifteen. Keep going. No way. Seventeen. <laughs> Keep going. Oh, stop. Man, what a backload of contract this was. 19? 20. He's making 20 mil, and this is the last year of the deal, or what? It is, but who cares? No one can take on. Who's going to take on? If somebody gets desperate enough, they'll take on half of that season. No no way. No way. You cannot find me any examples of that happening in baseball. Uh Uh-uh. Now. But wait, if they trade him, don't they get, don't, doesn't the other team also get the draft pick if he leaves? No. No. So what happens? The Giants still get the draft pick? No one gets the draft pick. No one gets it. Nothing happens. I don't know, $5 million for Samarja for three months? What are you talking about? It's t- it's $10 million. $10 oh, $10 million. Million. Excuse me, $10 million. Sorry. $10 that's million for three that's months? the point. Yeah, that's it's a not lot. possible. Five All million, right. five million you you're in the range of the Giants saying to another team, hey, you know what? Give us a good prospect and we'll actually eat $2 million. You know, or three. Well, but well, there you go. But what if they eat? What if they eat five million and get a great prospect? I don't. uh, I think it's it's very. If you if you're the Giants right now, you should be in the buying prospect market because your farm system is okay. But I mean, there's a lot to be desired here, as far as I'm concerned. When I look at San Francisco, so Marjo would have to be fantastic. He was very good last year. No, but he would have to be fantastic, and no six strikeouts per nine, fantastic. He would have to be like amazing. In, in order for this to happen, I, I just and this lineup, I, you know, I wonder if Alex Dickerson has a good year in this lineup because that's always a guy that I always fought, fucking hit. Like, I go back to his Pittsburgh days, the, you know, that was a guy that I was like, man, if this guy could just get an everyday job, I think he would actually be an okay everyday player. But I don't know, man, that middle of that order, Brandon Belt, Evan Longoria, Alex Dickerson, said strike fear to no, the heart of the opposing you, pitcher. They got you, Stremsky. That's the key guy. Stremsky's the leadoff guy, though. I'm talking about the middle of the order. This is a disaster. This is a disaster. <laughs> and, and let's be honest, Stremsky played well above board from his minor league career last year. 
So if he struggles in year two, that is far from surprising. Considering what would you, what, his, what, would you what would you guess uh, Johnny Cueto is getting paid this this year? Uh, 18 million. 22. 22. What would you guess? Cueto. What would you guess he's getting paid next year? Mm-hmm. Uh, 23. 22. <laughs> <laughs> what would you guess he's getting paid in 2020? Oh, I mean, no, crazy. no, there's more. There can't be more. Craig, just, that's got to be an option. Buster, he's po- Buster Posey's got Buster Posey's Wait got a bunch of 20. Johnny Cueto's got three more guaranteed years with the no, Giants. The third year is a five million buyout. <laughs> and you know what? And this is hilarious. And then people were like, oh, I don't understand why, why why these teams aren't giving these guys uh, more money because they're looking around and going, what were we doing five years ago? No. We were drunken it's sailors paying Johnny Cueto and Jeff Samarja 20 million a year. That's why everybody's self-corrected. I mean, come on, man. Relax. Yeah. They, if they could trade them, they wouldn't have heartbeat for sure. All right. Uh, we'll take a quick time out. And when we come back, time to dive back into some Super Bowl prop bets. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today. And I like football. And I'm going to keep doing them both because they make me feel good. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia with you here on the show. We'll have our final picks for the Super Bowl on Friday. I got to tell you, I am probably not going to be heavy on the side in this game. I just... I, uh, man, I have gone back and forth and back and forth on this one. I, I still maintain the same thing. I feel like I'll be to end up taking the Chiefs and the 49ers are going to win. I just It feels like that's the way I'm headed. But but the props, on the other hand, I do have uh, some better feeling on as I do uh, every year. And I think that going in this direction is clearly the way to go in terms of player props. So I want to dive into a couple of more. Here's one of my favorites, Joe, that I want to ask you about that I think that I will be on. Patrick Mahomes, again, with the rushing yards. Like, how many weeks in a row does this guy have to have 40 or 50 rushing yards for them to put this line at 40 or 50s? It's only a 31 and a half. I mean, I think that I don't know about his longest rush, which is sitting at 13 and a half, mm. but I think that he rushes for th- more than 31 and a half yards in this game. Also. I would pass on the longest run, but yeah, I, I I, in terms of cumulative, especially when you consider he is a very mobile quarterback and that is a very aggressive San Francisco front is going to be driving very hard to collapse that pocket. He's going to be out and about and rolling out and running all over the place. So, I mean, did everyone not watch the AFC Championship game? <laughs> like, I mean, I'm just trying to like get or, a game. Or how about the game against Houston? Uh, how about, yeah, I mean, geez, I mean, Patrick Mahomes once you know like, once the knee was good again, yeah. he's fine. You know, I mean, it's yeah, Patrick Mahomes is a very mobile quarterback, very athletic guy, can throw on the run, and I think when you do flush him out of the pocket, he is. And that that's another that's another aspect of this Chiefs offense that I don't think gets talked about enough. But when Patrick Mahomes is right and healthy, and he has been these last six weeks leading up to this game, you see him making these kind of plays. And it's something he did a lot of last year 
He's not the rushing quarterback that Lamar Jackson is. No one is. He's not Cam Newton either. But at the same time, he is very mobile. He is able to get out there in space and he is able to get that first down and more. And that's not going to be surprising at all. What's the number you said? 30 what? 31 and a half. Yeah, I think that's a that's a nice one, too. I, I think I would go after that, too. I wouldn't go after the longest one because that is a huge crapshoot. But if you're just looking at game log and looking at ability and looking at the situation of this game, too, how we think it's going to play out. I mean, San Francisco is going to all of a sudden not get, you know, they're not going to all of a sudden just drop back and play coverage all the time. They are, they are a team that gets after the quarterback and wants to get after the quarterback. And sometimes it burns them like against Russell Wilson. But I think it's definitely a, a thing for Mahomes. Real opportunity there on this bet. How about the, uh, let's see, the longest, uh, let's see, okay, scoring a touchdown. Let's go to that. Now, okay, yeah, the, this, the longest completion, I'm sorry, I'm going back and forth, 44 and a half yards for Patrick Mahomes' longest completion. And the same odds, minus 110 to win 100 on both. I'm trying to stay away from the, the odds that are shifting significantly because you're risking a lot to win a little. You said longest pass for a touchdown or longest pass? Just longest completion, 44 and a half yards. Mm, that's a that's a good sized game there. Um, you know, it's the temptation is Tyreek Hill because of the yards after the catch. So I'm gonna go over. I think there's a one big one in them. I really do, and it might and it might be one that starts off short <laughs> and ends up long. You know, it could be a little eight yard slant that ends up becoming a 48 yard one. So I think I'll, I'll take the over. I think there's enough in that in that offense to me. And Mecole Hardman's the other guy too. Do not sleep on the kind of player Mecole Hardman is because that's another guy who is a complete absolute burner who is starting to get it. And next year, oh my gosh, with him and Tyree Kill, I'm, it's a terrifying for every other defensive backfield to, to figure out. So I'm going to say over. Yeah. All right. How about uh, the total touchdown passes by Mahomes? Now on this one, if uh, you bet the, it's two is the number. If you bet the over, you have to risk 150 to win 100. And the under is plus 130. So that's risking 100 to win 130. I think most people will take the over. But if he only throws one, you stand to make a lot of money here. Um, but I don't know that anybody would do that. That's the problem here. I, I think I would. Yeah, I don't think anyone would do that either. So I guess it's just a pass then, right? Well, how about, I, the, how about I this? I agree with the over. Okay, so how about this? Two and a half. Two and a half. The over is plus 120. So that's risking 100 to win $120 if he throws for more than two and a half. And if he just throws for two, you're risking 140 to win 100. That makes a little more sense. I can get behind that one. How about so you? Would you go over? Yeah, that? so I'll go over. Yeah. I think I he's would, got three touchdowns in him. I would go under two and a half, and I wouldn't touch two. Now, there is a three. There's an option for three, two. Um, but it's, it's not worth investing. I think everybody is drunk on the 49ers playing the Packers right now. I think everyone's just sitting back, and, and that was a dominant performance. It was a dominant performance of a paper tiger team. I do not think the Chiefs are a paper tiger team. I thought the Chiefs were the best team in the AFC last year, and they did not play nearly as well defensively as they have. And I think the Chiefs are playing better defensively now than they ever have. And I, I, I get it. Everybody loves the 49ers. It's a good story. It's you know, I, I'm I'm just not there. I'm still all the way on the Chiefs, and I I don't feel like this is going to be like a big oh my god the 49ers dominated this game and won this game. I just I, I would be shocked if that happened. It really would be. All right. Well, the line tells you that. This has a chance to be a close game for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, total total uh, completions by Mahomes is 25. That's the number. 25 completions for him. Um, one minus 110 to win 100 on both. 25 completions. I'd go over. I think it's right about there, but I go over. I think he can get to the 27, 28. He's very efficient. That's the one thing about Mahomes, too. So if you think he's going to throw the ball 35, 38 times, he's probably going to complete 30 of them. You know, he's just a super efficient. He's very, very good in terms of getting the football where he needs to be in the right spot. How about Mahomes' first touchdown pass, and the total is 14 and a half, 14 and a half yards. 
And by I'd the way, I, under. I go over on the last one too. I'd go over on that. I, I'm going to go under on this, you know, because they do like to throw the ball at the goal line a lot, and they like to kind of swing the ball out to the running back a lot too. So, I, I think that this was another one I would definitely go under. Okay, uh, Damian Williams is rushing yards. We'll stick with Kansas City, fifty-two and a half yards. <laughs> you know, the number in my head, I was like, it's probably gonna be around fifty. Right? This <laughs> like, is where he's been. Like, I know, pass because I think that's exactly okay. where he's been. I'm gonna pass on this. And the and the longest rushing, uh, longest rush by Damian Williams number is twelve and a half. Uh, I I I'd go under. You know where I'd go under this next one. Total rushing attempts by Damian Williams thirteen. That's one I would go under. I would go under too. It's just not the Chiefs. They don't offense. run the ball. They don't. Run. They don't run. No, they don't. And and they're not going to start now. And they're not going to be running the football with a team that's so unless aggressive. Unless it's a blowout. That's the only way. That's the only way. Is if if it's a blowout. But nothing. Okay. That. But if it's a blowout, is he the guy running the football? Who else would it be? I guess. I don't know. I don't even know if they. I, I don't. Even, he's not even active. So I guess. No, I mean, I don't know. I just I, look. They are not a, a team. That I think in this specific scenario, too, playing a team that's very aggressive, trying to get after the quarterback. Usually you're going to be very quick to get rid of the football. You're not going to drop back five yards and hand it off to somebody else and have these guys in the backfield. That is not, you know, Joey Bosa is going to be on top of Damian Williams if they do that. And I don't think that's how you want to start this game off. You know, you want to establish a little bit of a run so you can run some play action off of it. But man, I don't, I don't think there's, this is the, they're not a run heavy offense. It's just not who they are. And I don't no, think they're going to change who they are right now. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's move to another, uh, the other running back. I guess he played a little bit in the last game, surprisingly Darwin Thompson. Total amount of yards for Darwin Thompson. How about this? Why don't we play this game instead? Why don't will you tell me what you think this number is? Total yards for Darwin Thompson. Rushing, 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 rushing. Yards. 16 yards. Four and a half. Four and a half. <laughs> so it's over is your answer, right? That's it. I guess. I mean, four and a half. Jeez, that's that's not much. But, but he, I doesn't, mean, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't play. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess. I guess it depends on if you think it's going to be a blowout. <laughs> and you think in the second half, you could get somebody else running the football a little bit. But so you I mean, go four and a half. Four that's, and that's, half that's one so. run. That's basically they're saying he gets one run. Yeah, that's it. Mm. Okay, so uh, okay, so you, you'd be over there, obviously. We'll be over, yeah, we over. Okay, How, what would you say that? What do you think Tyree Kill's receiving yards number is in this game? Over under seventy-eight. Okay, so you got a good number there, seventy-three and a half. Okay, so I'll go over there too. We'll go over there. Okay, let's see if uh, let's see if we can pick you out one more here. Uh, Demarcus, uh, let's go with Kelsey. Total receiver. Here, here, here's a question for you too. Before you even get to the next one. What do you think the 49, I mean, what's the 49er plan for Tyreek Hill? Because Richard Sherman can't run with him. No. Uh, <laughs> probably double cover. Yeah. I don't even think that's going to work. Well, because I, I don't think I, they have I anybody that can, they, they don't have anybody that can play coverage on him. And I think that is a huge issue. They can cover Kelsey and they could try to double Tyreek Hill, but I'm telling you what, that's why I think Nicole Hardman is the sleeper in this game where, you know, you leave that kid open, he's going to torch you, man. That guy is lightning. He He's not as fast as Tyreek Hill, but nobody is, but he's he's awfully close. Travis Kelsey's yard, 77 and a half over under. I'm going to go under on this one. I think Kelsey is the one that has a tough day. I think this is the Tyreek Hill show. That's where I'm going. I'd like to see him go over because I think that's that's helpful. But wait, wait, what's the number again? 67 or 77? 77. It's right. I'm going to pass. You know, I'm going to pass. I think it's going to be right there. I think it's right on the number. That's a great number. I'm going to pass. How about uh, Demarcus Robinson's receiving numbers? 22 and a half. Under. Is he, does he, was he even part of the game plan? He was like on a, on a jet sweep. It's like the only thing. He's one of these guys that shows up. It's like Watkins will show up for one play. And you're like, oh, look at Sammy Watkins. That's right. He plays for the You're in on, you're in on Hardman. His total is 23 and a half. So you're going over on that. Yeah. over. Over. Yeah. Yeah, and his, total, cool. and his total receptions is one and a half. Over. 
that boy can get a rich apartment. Yeah, that's all you need. I, let me tell you something. Look, uh, if I was the Chiefs, I'm just saying, and I'm not. I'm I'm just a fantasy analyst. But if I was the Chiefs, I'd look at this and I'd look at the 49ers. And the 49ers are good in the linebacking core. They're really good up front. The 49ers struggle <clears throat> in the secondary, and they do not have the secondary speed to come collect. They, remember, they were down to their second corner and they pulled that other guy on the 49ers and they put back the other kid. <laughs> like they, I forget the, the other kid's name that they put back in the game in, during the game against the Vikings, right? So that kid got torched. They they have some serious problems there. And Richard Sherman's very entertaining. Richard Sherman's probably a Hall of Famer, but Richard Sherman is nowhere near going to be able to keep up with these guys. If you're going to beat them, you're going to beat them with speed. And I'm telling you, you can double team all you want. It's not going to matter because they can run past one guy. They can run past two. I just don't think they match up well there. And I'm going to use all of those speed guys, get those guys the football, and just watch them run past those safeties and run past those corners because I think that's a horrible matchup for them. All right. We'll be back with more fantasy sports today and some fantasy ace discussion. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe here with you on the show as we dive back into some more fantasy baseball discussion as we close in on the 2020 fantasy season. And uh, Joe mentioned, and you can go back and listen as we previewed the League of Alternative Baseball Reality draft somewhat. The draft will be next week, and um, and Joe will be involved in that. So he gave it a little bit of a preview. Go back and listen on demand. You can listen, by the way, to our shows on demand on iTunes or Android. Wherever you hear a podcast, essentially, you can listen to this show. Uh, let's get started with some potential players, Joe, that uh, perform like aces, but because there are better pitchers potentially on their team, they're not being drafted as fantasy aces. You know, some guys will be the number one starter on their team come opening day, but there are others going higher than them in uh, in fantasy. And let's start off with the Tampa Bay Rays. It has been a complete and total reclamation project for Charlie Morton, who was phenomenal in the World Series for Houston in 2017, came back with another good year in 2018, and shockingly didn't retire chose to play for the Tampa Bay Rays, did a two-year deal. There's basically every expectation in the world that this is Charlie Morton's last year playing Major League Baseball. Uh, Nobody thinks that he's coming back to play in 2021. But he had another dominant season with the Rays, very close to his home. That's where he wanted to be. Uh, Charlie Morton is not being drafted as one of the top five or six pitchers in fantasy, should he? Well, here's the thing. You don't always, and we were kind of talking about this in hour one, which you can listen to on demand if you missed it is that you don't have to have, if you're not having Garrett Cole or Jacob deGrom, the rest of these guys, there can be a discussion about how much you want to pay for these guys. And I'll give you a perfect, for instance, pretty much all the numbers save a little bit of ERA. Charlie Morton was better than Jack Flaherty last year. Flaherty right now is going as the number seven pitcher overall. Charlie Morton's going at number 18. 
Now, I understand there's a big age difference, right? I understand he's on the last year, and this is his swan song and all that. But you don't put up the kind of season that Charlie Morton did last year by just being good for a short period of time, okay? This was a guy who was good all year long. Charlie Morton won 16 games. He has a, a spot where he pitches in a very favorable pitcher ballpark in Tampa. He has a 305 ERA last year, made 33 starts yet again. He threw almost 200 innings, 194. He struck out 240 guys to just 57 walks. Now, I've been a guy that was always like, well, Charlie Morton's a nice pitcher, but he doesn't strike out enough guys. Well, guess what? He's striking out enough guys, too. I mean, that is a almost 5-to-1 strikeout-to-walk ratio. Guys hit just 215 against Charlie Morton last year. Drink that in for a second, and the whip was 108. So take away the name, take away the age, take away everything else, and just realize that last year, Charlie Morton was really good. Two years ago, Charlie Morton was really good. Charlie Morton can basically be a guy like in the strategy I talked about. If you want to start your draft for the first three rounds with hitting, well, my goodness, you can certainly go to the 18th pitcher off the board and start your rotation with Charlie Morton, who's going somewhere around 85 overall. I think that's pretty damn good. Yeah, Morton was my gem of a couple of years ago in 2017. I ended up uh, having him, saw him in the spring. That was one of my big hits for 2017, maybe my best one in a long time, and it ended up working out. Uh, Patrick Corbin, I know, Joe, that you and I have, have discussed him quite a bit. I know that you're a big fan of Corbin. People forget about him because he's not the ace. He's not the number two. And it's something that I always discuss is that you're not winning any fantasy league in April and May, but Patrick Corbin is going against the number three starter on most Major League Baseball teams for about a month into the Major League season. So that certainly gives him an advantage. Uh, Corbin is a potential ace. He's being paid like an ace. But, of course, Strasburg and Scherzer are fronting that rotation one and two. Corbin is the three. He's got not going nearly close to where those other two guys are going, should he? Uh, in terms of statistically speaking, he is right there. So, yeah, he should be considered. But this is a guy who falls victim to the fact that he's not the best pitcher on his team. He's also not the second best pitcher on his team. So what? He's going to be the best pitcher on your fantasy team. And I think that matters. And I think you look at Patrick Corbin, who was 14 and seven last year with a 325 ERA, another guy that hit the 200 inning mark. Uh, you know who didn't hit the 200 inning mark last year? Max Scherzer, who's dealt with some injuries. Steven Strasburg hit the 200 inning mark for just the second time in his career last year. So, in terms of durability, Patrick Corbin, I think, is a safer asset at his ADP than either Scherzer or Strasburg on his own team. And I'm comparing them because I feel like that's the reason why Corbin gets kind of knocked down. Now, Patrick Corbin's going at 13 overall in terms of the pitchers, right? Number 67 overall in NFBC. But he is going a couple picks later than Chris Sale, who has an enormous amount of risk this year. I think you and I would both agree. And I feel like... I'm perfectly fine with saying, you know what? Patrick Corbin can be my one strikeout 200 something guys. And he is not that much of a, a, a drop off compared to what Strasburg is going at in the second round where I can get basically Corbin in the fourth round. And I would right. start any rotation in that way. And, and why would you want to pass on those elite hitters when you can, who play every day when you're going to spend draft capital on a pitcher who only has two, two 200 inning seasons to his mark, when you can get Corbin who can do the same things and is going to pitch in on the same team, same ballpark, same offense, everything else. I don't get it. 
Yeah, there, there's just not a lot of uh, eyes, sharp eyes on, on Corbin, not understanding what he has and what he can be. So, um, you know, I don't think there's any doubt. And again, we'll keep an eye on the early part of the season for him, no question. Um, Lucas Giolito was uh, one of the big surprises last year. Uh, his career was moved out of Washington to Chicago. It did not go well for him in 2018 and then all of a sudden in 2019 man he looked like the guy that everybody thought he was going to be with the nationals and looks like he could front that rotation i would guess that he'll be uh, either their opening day starter or start the second game of the year depending on what they decide to do with dallas keichel but g Lito is certainly in that conversation of being a fantasy ace it just doesn't appear that people that not everybody's buying in on that yeah i i, I can understand that but i also like g Lito's division that he pitches into he's going to get some starts against the tigers he's going to get some starts against the kansas city royals who have you know some good players at the top of that lineup but not a lot of great pitchers to go against him so he's just got to be competitive to get some w's there uh giolito was very good last year he had one little rough patch where he got a little worn out maybe a little dead arm you know that happens and then he bounced back at the end of the season G Lito's another one of these guys too. Um, the walks are a little high. He walks 79 guys. Uh, excuse me. I'm, I'm sorry. I looked at the wrong thing. Walks are still good. 228 to 57. That is a fantastic strikeout to walk ratio. He won 14 games. The White Sox are a very good offensive team. They're going to give him run support. No doubt about it. And I really like the division he pitches in. And this is another dude where I look at, you know, though, well, I don't know if I'm ready to declare G Lito the ace of my staff. But if I tell you I'm going to give you a pitcher who's going to strike out 220 guys and have a 3-4 ERA and a 15 wins, doesn't that sound like the same guy you're basically taking Shane Bieber at in the second round? Doesn't yeah. that sound like the same guy that Clevenger's going in the second round? But he's not going in the second round. He's going rounds later. He's the 14th pitcher overall, number 77 overall. So to me, I don't get this one at all. I don't get why people aren't getting on this bandwagon and just embracing, hey, I know it's new. That doesn't mean it's wrong. Yeah, I, I definitely will look for some shares of Giolito if I can end up securing him. And the White Sox should be much better. The park hasn't really been a huge issue for anybody there. So uh, like that idea. Let's uh, close it out here with uh, a couple of other pitchers. Luis Castillo, who could be fronting the Cincinnati Reds on opening day. No doubt about that. And, uh, and Aaron Nola, who a lot of people were super high on going into the season last year. And he finished the season very strong. He just didn't start off very strong. Yeah, well, the problem with Aaron Nola is, you know, it's it's that consistency. He actually had two periods of time where he wasn't good. And if he just took around one of those, he's right up in this top 10 conversation. But instead, he's at number 15. So I think you and I both agree that the Phillies are a very competitive team this year, right? That's I think we can For both sure. turn our right. Yeah. So we're turning our keys on that one. He's going almost at 100 overall. He's at 92. And I'll tell you what, for a guy who is still as young as he is, I think there's a real opportunity here where you look at back-to-back 200 seasons, uh, 200 inning seasons. You look at fastball velocity that's increased in the last three years. You look at an opportunity where he's still going pretty cheap. He is the perfect guy to want to back up. Like, let's say that you go hitting early in your draft. You could take Aaron Nola and Charlie Morton back to back at a turn. You could take, you know, Aaron Nola and Zach Greinke, who is a little bit more stable in that sense that have been around longer. But my goodness, I'm fine with starting any rotation with Aaron Nola. And Luis Castillo, same kind of thing. Luis Castillo, I look at as a pitcher who, um, 
has really come into his own. He struggled a little bit last year. Some of the numbers were outliers and weird in terms of, you know, guys left on base and stuff like that. And I, I think all of that will continue to work itself out. But Luis Castillo was one of my favorite pitchers two years ago. He's on that same track that Severino was. And he had that breakout year about the same time after having the same kind of struggles earlier in his career. And I think there's no doubt right now that Sonny Gray is kind of taking some pressure off of him, how good he was. And I think that really helped Castillo last year. And I think Castillo, Nola, that's another grouping. You want to pair those two guys together. That might be better than, say, going up to the top of the board and taking a Scherzer and then waiting all the way to take a, say, a Tyler Glass now or Trevor Bauer who have a lot of question marks in them. And if they crap out, man, that really drags down all the good work that Max Scherzer does. So I think a lot of these guys you can consider aces. And a lot of these guys you can consider looking more at their numbers, less at their name, and more about what they've done the last couple of years and realize that you don't have to spend top dollar to get top pitching necessarily. There's a lot of it out there right now. Just don't fall behind on it. Make sure you go out there and be aggressive. Get one or two of these guys instead of just getting one. And I think you'll have a really good rotation. Some good names for you to consider on draft day for sure. When we come back next, we'll take a look at some three-year averages in fantasy baseball of some critical players coming up this season. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia and our friend Dr. Roto is standing by coming up at uh, 2 o'clock Eastern. 2 o'clock Eastern for uh, Dr. Roto. Make sure you tune in to him. By the way, just a quick programming note for us here. Uh, starting on Monday, the show will be moved back to 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern time. So keep that in mind for those of you who listen to Fantasy Sports today. Uh, just to give you the heads up a little bit early, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern time. If uh, if this is your show of choice and you're not listening on demand, you're listening live, that is where you can hear this show. Okay, so now let's dive back into some fantasy baseball discussion, Joe, as we close out our program for Wednesday. We'll go very heavy football the next couple of days as we head toward the Super Bowl, and then we are done with football for six months. Can't wait for that. No offense, football, but we're done. Uh, uh, three-year averages in baseball, Joe. A lot of people look at that as the barometer for whether or not a player can be successful or not. Always really h- tough to identify whether a rookie will be good even tougher to identify if after a player's rookie season, he'll be good the next year too. But three years gives you a good indication. 
Absolutely. And this is why I love putting three year averages into the RPV of the Black Book. And the Black Book has, you know, projections built into it. <clears throat> it uses projections, it uses three year averages, it uses previous season, and it weighs them all and then gives you a number. And then we use that to compare that for the players in their position to each other. And this is how you get quantified rankings. This is how you get quantified tiers. This is how you can see where players are in the positive and in the negative in terms of fantasy value for league specific formats. And I think that's why everybody always goes to the black book. That's why we're, we keep crushing it every year is because people look at it and go, Hey, this makes sense. Hey, this is based more in reality. And so much fantasy baseball is, is so heavily engaged into projections, which basically are one of two things. And I said this yesterday on sleeper in the bus with Spore, And I'm going to say it again here. Cause I think it bears saying, I think what you have is, Projections are either the best case scenario that everybody really wants to happen or projections are basically just a rehash of what just happened. And that's not necessarily all the story. Taking a player into consideration of a larger span of his career is important. So I thought we'd have some fun with a little three-year averages. And if I had to ask you, Craig Mish, who do you think has the highest fantasy point total over the last three-year average? Who would you say is that guy? In in uh, points leagues, in points leagues, and and um, points leagues that you know weigh everything properly. Mm-hmm. Okay, in terms yeah, of I, most I, productive. I mean, last player year was the, the first year I played in a points league in a while, but um, uh, I'll take a stab at it. Uh, oh, it's got to be a pitcher of some kind. Okay, so, it is not a pitcher. Is we're talking position players here? Oh, okay. Uh, so who is the most productive position player on average over the last three years in terms of fantasy points? Okay. And points leagues, these are you lose a point for a strikeout, correct? In this one, yes. You lose a point for a strikeout. Okay. Actually, right. a half a point, I think, in this format that I'm doing here. That's kind of critical to the conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if I guess Trout, I'm going to be wrong. You would guess Trout, you would be wrong. In fact, Mike Trout, one, two, three, four, five, is number five overall. Okay. And that's uh, because he had missed time. Let's not forget, over this three-year average, we're talking he's averaging 440 played appear uh, at bats as opposed to the guy who's number what one. What number you said he was five? Uh, he was number five. So there's four ahead of him. Okay. And let me try, think let me about plate appearances because I think okay. that will help you too. Think about a guy okay. at the top of an order. Oh, okay. That's a good point. Uh, J.D. Martinez? J.D. Martinez is not number one. J.D. Martinez is in the top 10, however. That's a good one for you. Uh, top of the order, Craig. I'm trying to help you. Top of the order, son. Okay. Come on. Um, the guy at the top of the order. Because, hmm. you know, what's baseball about at the end of the day? Scoring what? Runs, Joe. Who's, runs. Who's, who scores runs? Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts. Number one over the last three years in terms of average fantasy points, 638. That is a tremendous number by Mookie Betts. Why? Because Mookie Betts plays a lot of games. Mookie Betts scores a lot of runs. Mookie Betts has a 389 OBP over that period of time. That is pretty impressive. Your average Mookie Betts season is 122 runs, uh, 44 doubles, 28 home runs, 87 ribbies, an even strikeout to walk ratio, which matters because that certainly affects your OBP, and 24 stolen bases. That, my friends, is it a player that probably, even though he's going in the top five, I don't think people always realize just how darn good Mookie Betts has been. Who do you think was number two and three? I'm, I'm sure one of them is pretty easy for you. One of them is one of your favorite players, Craig Mish. Really? Mm-hmm, who you always want to own. 
He uh, might get traded this year, but it depends on who you talk to. Lindor? Lindor is one of them. Lindor is actually number four on this list. Okay. One so of Christian, which... Christian Yelich? Yep, Christian Yelich is number three. And number two is a third baseman who's been a lot of trade talks lately. Arenado? Nolan Arenado. So there you uh, have it. So Nolan, those are your I, top I performed five. better than I, than I thought I would. You did. You performed very well, I thought. Now... If I asked you who is the top three in terms of home runs over the last couple of years, who do you think would come to mind for you in terms Trout? of average home run season? Trout is tied for second. Correct. There's two guys ahead of them. And I'll give you a hint. They play the same, quote, position in the lineup, end quote. I'm doing uh, a, little, a little air quotes there as, in terms of position. Arenado? No, no, no. Position because it's it, okay, in the okay. batting order. Not so much in the field. Bellinger? Nope. He plays the field a lot, Craig. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to like, give you layups. I'm, I'm out. I'm out. It's not enough. They're things. both DHs. Oh, uh, Chris Davis? No. Good guess, though. Nelson Cruz at 39 home runs. Jeez. And J.D. Martinez at yeah, 41. J.D. I should have got. Well, J.D. JD, plays, yeah, J.D. plays some field, too, so. Hey, some, but I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> He's more or less a DH. Yeah, more or less, less DH, but but how about Nelly Cruz? Nelson Cruz, last three-year average season, check this out. 284, 369, 561 slash. 39 dingers, 108 RBI. That's a pretty productive player, I'd say. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's 110 years old. I don't care, but I think that's something that it makes you just kind of sit back and appreciate what Nelson Cruz has done here in his late thirties. Am I right? Yeah, no, no doubt. Yeah. That's uh, it's, it's definitely impressive. I just, I'm not somebody who's going to take Cruz. I'm just not going to, and listen, I'm the same guy that wouldn't take Ortiz and he burned me every year too, by not taking them all. Yeah. Stuff. See, I'm always good for that because DH or utility, whatever it is, is a slot in your lineup. And if you could have an RPV advantage by being the best there, and you were taking a player who's historically very, very productive. I mean, I just told you three-year average of Nelson Cruz that you still can't get there. And I know every year it gets I can't older. Do it. And every year it gets harder. But all right, let's do a stolen bases here. Um, right. This one might be easier for you. Three-year averages, stolen bases. Who would be at the, uh, let's say, the top of the board here? It's probably usual suspects for you, right? Go ahead. Turner? Trey Turner's number one, averaging 41 stolen bases over the last three years. Uh, and then you've got two guys who you would call more no power, all stolen base kind of dudes. And both of them actually play for the same team in the grand and Merrifield. No, Merrifield is four though. With 33 Merrifield does not get here. You want to hear oh, something uh, amazing? Uh, Gordon, Go Gordon and his teammate, not Alex, but who I don't Malix. Malik Smith. Oh, Malik Smith. Yeah, I'm done with him. <laughs> no, nah, I know, but he doesn't just, play enough for me. He doesn't but play yes, enough. Right. I uh, but here you go. Whit Merrifield's average three-year season. Check this out. 91 runs, 189 hits, 39 doubles, six yeah, triples. great. 16 home runs, 71 RBI, 33 stolen bases, hitting 299. Now, I don't understand, and maybe I just need to become the unofficial, I don't know, the – the champion of uh, of Whit Merrifield, but I just feel like this guy just never, ever gets enough credit. I, I wonder if you could guess who the batting average leader over the last three years is. You have a no, you have an no. idea who that might be? I'll just go J.D. Martinez every time. You know what? He's second. 
So it's yeah. not bad. He's <laughs> like my favorite guy. I love JD Martinez. Yeah, seriously, I like I know JD exactly what JD Martinez is doing every year. Do I have year, to like... give you anybody else besides Arenado and JD? Right, that's it for you. You're Pretty happy much. camper. Yeah, a Jose Altuve, three twenty-two. Oh, yeah. There you go. There's your guy there. All right, let's do a little pitching. Yeah, yeah. For a, little, a couple more here, do some pitchers. Yes. All right. <clears throat> Who do you think? Doctor Roto is waiting for Doctor Roto. Doctor Roto will be fine. Don't worry about him. He's he's in the waiting room. He's got the magazines. He's a doctor. He's perfectly fine. Just don't just don't send him to an NBA game. He'll end up at the hockey arena. <laughs> that's what I hear. That's I hear that story. So, who is the three year average leaders in strikeouts? I think this is pretty easy. But let's see how you do. Kershaw. Kershaw. No, Kershaw's not even in the top ten. Last three, time. he missed okay. a lot of time. Yeah. Uh, Jacob DeGrom. Jacob DeGrom is number five. Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole is number three. Max Scherzer. Number two. Who the heck is number one? Oh, come on. Come on. His wife is a supermodel. The blonde hair. She's related to the Uptons. Come on, Justin oh, Verlander, Verlander. Verlander. Oh, yeah. You missed one. How did you I missed miss one Verlander? at number four. You missed number four. Chris Drop. Sale at 254. Oh, yeah. Here's a, here's a fun fact. Number six is Trevor Bauer at 223. That is impressive. Average season. And you know who's next? My boy, Patrick Corbin. What up? 221. How about them apples? Aaron Nola right after him. So if you look at this over the last couple of years, the guys that we were just talking about in the last segment, right? Patrick Corbin, Aaron Nola, and then you dip a little bit more. It's Robbie Ray, Strasburg, followed by Charlie Morton and Zach Greinke. So you don't need to buy the very top tier of pitching to be effective in pitching. You just don't need it. And I think it's something that's very exciting to, to recognize and go, oh, you know what? It, it's okay. Um, not that it matters as much, but. Uh, I wonder, who do you think the uh, leader in saves the last three years is? <laughs> uh, saves. Average saves. This is pretty easy. Three-year averages. Kenley Jansen's number two. Very good guess. He was traded last year at the beginning of the year. This guy. No, I don't know. I have no idea. Edwin Diaz. Oh, he's the worst. He's the worst, is he? Because according to three-year averages, he's the best. Yeah, I mean, this is the this is the one three-year average that means nothing to me. Like, okay, well, like you in fact, Edwin in Diaz. fact, the guys that are at the top of this would be the least likely guys that I would have on my team this year. Well, let's see: Edwin Diaz, Jansen, Roberto Ozuna, Rysel Iglesias, Craig Kimbrell. Iglesias oh, is the surprising name to me, not because he has these giant save totals, but he's just very consistent. There he is getting his three saves every every year. You know, the 30 saves rather every year. He's kind of right in there. So uh, in terms of win total, it's kind of the usual suspects. But there's one name on here that's kind of surprising. When you get to number eight, it's Rick Porcello, which is kind of funny. But when you think about it, it makes sense. Not only do you pitch for a very good offensive team of Boston, but Rick Porcello, I would also say one of the more durable starters. If Rick Porcello can make 30-something starts in the National League this year, which is pretty much what he does every year. Do you think we could get a Rick Porcello that could be a useful piece in fantasy and get that ERA from the high fours of maybe down to like the you know low fours or maybe 3-9 range or something like that? I I don't see why not. Tough division to play in for sure. 
Mm-hmm. But, uh, but you know, I don't see why not. I think that um, that he could. Maybe. All right, a good exercise, of which I didn't fail miserably. I'd give myself no, a C-minus. C-. Not bad. All right, coming up next, it's time for the two-minute warning, and then we'll send it over to Full-Time Fantasy. Don't go away. dailyrodo.com learn from the game's best dfs players we don't just give you premier advice we play every day all major sports all year round we never stop industry-leading dfs tools and custom projections and now the dailyrodo.com optimizer in minutes build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys learn from the game's best dfs players join dailyrodo.com Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. As always, we end the show with the two-minute warning. Let's turn it over to Joe Pizzapia for his closing to the end of our Wednesday. Joe? The two-minute warning. Two minutes, get your sh- together. Is that going to be enough time? Now, I can do this at the close of the show because Craig won't yell at me for talking wrestling, but something spectacular happened Sunday. We had a triumphant return of a legend in the business. Mr. Adam Copeland, otherwise known as Edge, made a return from not one, not two, but triple uh, fusion neck surgery. And nine years ago, he retired at his peak. And it was a very sad moment. He had to come out to the ring and basically say he could not work in the industry anymore. It was terrible. It was crushing to see an athlete in his prime get taken uh, his career away from him. And on Sunday night, we saw a reemergence of that. The crowd went wild. I went wild. Everybody went wild for this because it's great to see great things happen to great people. And it's very sad when we see any athlete or any performer get taken away the thing that they love most in the prime of what they're doing. Now, here we are 10 years later. He's getting a second chance because medical clearance happened and the advances we have in medicine. And it is a feel-good story, and eh, it might not be sports-related, but it certainly is sports entertainment-related, and I think we all need a feel-good story, and Edge's return is one of them. I hope he has a great run here. He looks awesome. He looks like he hasn't missed a step, and my goodness, dreams do come true, and second chances happen, Craig Mish. All right, the deterioration of this show is now complete. Thanks again to Chris Mavona and Sean Glostamake for producing the program. And uh, for my co-host, Joe Pizzapia, I'm Craig Mish. We'll be back tomorrow on the Thursday edition of Fantasy Sports Today. Hope you have a great Wednesday. Talk to you tomorrow at noon. See you.